Hey, Andy Fortuna here, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to Connect and Move Radio. If you are a licensed practitioner, such as a massage therapist, athlete trainer, acupuncturist, physical therapist, etc., who believes in treating the person as a whole, enjoys spending one-on-one time providing hands-on care, and loves helping people improve their confidence, their movement, and facilitate the body's natural inner healing, then I have the course for you the Holistic Movement-Based Practitioner course. It's a mentorship-style course with a three-day live workshop and remote mentorship where we dive into practical assessment and manual therapy skills, movement programming for performance, and energy meditation work. You can find more information in the description at the bottom of this podcast. If you're interested in being part of this immersive educational experience, then take the time right now to sign up. The course is only open to six students, and there's an application and interview process to make sure that this course is right for you. We currently have an active wait list. So if you're interested, you can send an email to andyandmyrenew.com. Thanks again for listening and enjoy this episode. Hold up. Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and today we're going to be going into the entrepreneur side of athletic training, the future of outreach and per diem services. Today's guest is Alicia Pennington, owner and operator of Advantage Athletic Training, full service contract athletic training company, uh, public speaker, podcast host, and consultant. Alicia, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here and chat with you. How are you doing? How's everything? Good. You know, we're um, we're fresh off a, a holiday, so my voice might be a little bit hoarse just because I had <laughs> so much fun, um, but really excited to be here with you. It sounds great. Probably better than mine, which is uh, <laughs> very good for the listeners. But um, Alicia, tell us kind of like how you got to where you're at now, your journey, you know, your background uh, story. Let us let's hear it. Yeah, sure. So I did my undergrad at Florida State University. So I know you're out in Miami and Mm -hmm. I I love, I love Florida. Uh, but I'm a Seminole through and through. Sorry for any listeners. (laughs) I bleed garnet and gold. So I'm just going to leave that out there. Um, so did my undergrad at Florida State. Uh, that was in athletic training. And then I'm actually a West Coast girl, pretty much born and raised in California. So came back to the West Coast, did my master's at Cal State Fullerton. And I finished my master's in 2011 when majority of the country, California included, was still pretty much in the depths of the recession. There wasn't a lot of full-time jobs available for athletic trainers. Mm -hmm. So I decided to basically just be a freelance, uh, independent contractor. So I had had a few friends that knew clients that would hire athletic trainers for weekend gigs or, you know, camps here and there. So I kind of started accumulating different clients that would reach out to me and say, Hey, you know, we've got a soccer tournament or we've got, uh, you know, whatever it is going on. And so over about the span of 12 months, I had gained sort of a Rolodex of clients that looked for per diem athletic trainers on an ongoing basis. And as the economy started to recover into 2012, there was an increased demand for having athletic trainers at events like this. So when I was already booked for a specific time or date, I would call one of my friends and say, hey, you know, so-and-so is looking for someone to work a soccer tournament and I'm already booked. Do you want to go work it? 
So as a result of doing this, I kind of just came to be known as a connector. Mm -hmm. And when other athletic trainers would be looking for some side gig or just a little bit of money, they would say, Hey, call this girl, Alicia, you know, she's got access to clients that are looking to do this kind of stuff. Uh, and simultaneously clients would share my number with other people saying, Hey, you know, this girl, Alicia, either she picks it up or she has a few people that she knows and can recommend to pick it up. So it was going really well. And I actually decided to start a website because it was becoming increasingly difficult for me to manage the inquiries either from the athletic trainers or from the clients. Mm -hmm. So I started a website that was basically kind of like a Craigslist and uh, it worked for, you know, maybe four to six months where anything that came across my desk that I wasn't going to work, I just put it up on this like Craigslist type of, uh, you know, very rudimentary website. I don't want people thinking that it's some <laughs> ornate design. It was literally just, you know, a, a scrolling page of, of, text with okay. um, details of events. And really what happened was mm -hmm. um, there were several athletic trainers that would be anxious to work an event. And so let's say that Susie called the contact and said, yeah, you know, I'll work it for 25 bucks an hour. But then Johnny would call 25 minutes later and, you know, Johnny really needs work. So he would say, well, I'll work it for $23 an hour. Uh, and that, yeah, so that had happened a couple times and I started to get complaints from athletic trainers. So that was sort of a, a fork in the road for me of, am I going to do this for real or am I going to let this go? Um, at this point I had had enough business to keep myself sustainable, but I really saw an opportunity to not only educate athletic trainers about how to do this in a sustainable way, but then also to advocate to clients because some of the feedback I'd get from my friends was, oh, there was no water there or gosh, it's been like six weeks and I still haven't gotten paid. So I, I kind of took that fork in the road as an opportunity to leverage this as a business opportunity. And that was in 2012. And shortly after that, I got a call from a school district who was needing athletic trainers on an ongoing basis. And that was when I became an LLC and I established myself as a, what I call a for real company. <laughs> um, and it's, it's really just snowballed from there. So, you know, it, it, that, that fork in the road was really the, the time for me to decide which direction am I going to go. And I'm thankful that after I made that decision, a school district came to me and presented itself as Hey, you know, this was the right decision to make, or at least I, I interpret it that way. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was, that was seven years ago and here we are. Seven years ago. I mean, before I, I talk about, uh, how you kind of came into like the outreach and how you became the mediator, mediator, yeah. both the mediator and the advocate for outreach services for both, uh, people looking for athletic trainers and for athletic trainers looking for job opportunities. Mm -hmm. How'd you, why'd you choose uh, athletic training? Well, this is a funny story. <laughs> so usually, um, usually it is. That's why I know, right? I, that's why yeah, I make sure yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. So um, I I had no exposure to athletic training in high school or anything. I went to Florida State University at my orientation, and I was declared a social work major. So wow. yeah, the the rules that I had for going to college was. 
I didn't want to work in an office. I didn't want a traditional nine to five and I wanted to help people. Um, and my mom's rules for helping me to pay to go to college were I didn't have a job that could be outsourced overseas, that my job could not be done by a robot in 15 years and that I was, and that I was happy. So social work fit all the constructs of that. Um, and so I was sitting in our orientation. So they kind of break everybody up based on what major that you have declared. And I went to kind of an informational meeting on what I thought was social work. But before the social work person stood up to talk, sports medicine was up there. And I had never heard of sports medicine before. But my mom, um, she worked in a hospital growing up. Mm -hmm. And I was always intrigued by the health side of things, but I knew I never wanted to work in a hospital. It just felt too like sterile and dark and damp to me. Yeah. It, just, it wasn't a setting that, yeah, really spoke to me. Um, but I also love sports, like just a massive sports fan. And so when they were up there describing what sports medicine was, it was sort of this aha moment for me of like the merriment of two things that I never knew could be joined together. Mm -hmm. So I remained a social work major, but I did uh, an exploratory course, which is actually a really cool thing. I don't know how many universities have this, but that first semester I was able to do an exploratory course in sort of like health careers, or it may have been like allied health, or mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was a classroom of maybe 30 to 35 of us that all had sort of an idea of maybe what we wanted to do, but didn't fully understand what it was. So uh, throughout the semester, we'd had, they'd have like guest speakers come in and talk. And so after that, I realized, you know, athletic training is something that I, I think I want to pursue. And then the second semester of my freshman year, I went to the intro to athletic training class, which I think is the one that most of us are familiar with that sort of, uh, before you ever get into the program, that, that kind of exploratory class where, mm -hmm. you know, you have to do your observation hours, you learn to tape an ankle and tear tape, things like that. So that was the course that really made me fall in love with this and realize one, like, is there any better profession out there? I don't, I don't, right. in my opinion, there, there's no such thing. Um, but so, you know, at the end of the semester, I applied to get into the program and I was accepted and it was, it was fate from there. That's awesome. And I mean, one of the reasons I love hearing stories, uh, you know, journey, the journey of how somebody got to somewhere, but also the story of why they chose it, because it's, a lot of people I find get stumped in the decision-making process rather than oh. just kind of exploring or because they get stumped in the fact of, oh man, if I go down this route, you know, I might not like it. And we've had guests on here that have explored certain options for years and years and years mm -hmm. and never got in, but they learn or got in network with somebody that now uh, pivoted to their, where they're at now, mm -hmm. uh, or someone like yourself that went in thinking one thing and didn't really know you didn't jump on the bullet right, right then, but right. you kind of explored your options. And then you said, you know what, this is kind of, you know, this is it for me. Some people think that, for example, they see you and all the success that you've had with advantage mm -hmm. and they say, oh man, she must've thought exactly what she wanted to do. Uh, you know, once when, you know, when she first started, which is not the case, you didn't not even know you want to go in this profession. No, <laughs> you know? no. And, and it's funny because, um, I have zero business background. I've taken no business classes. Both of my degrees are in kinesiology, athletic training, science. 
uh, I really don't even have an entrepreneur background in my family. Um, I don't, for a long time and still sometimes even today, I didn't know how to spell entrepreneur. So, you know, when I tell my story, I just say there's a lot of serendipity in it. There are specific moments of intervention in my life that what I call the universe has Mm -hmm. put an opportunity in front of me. And I, I had an, I had a moment to make that decision. And I'm, I just really believe that whatever decision you decide to choose and move forward with, you're going to be taken care of. So if, Mm -hmm. if it's something that you believe in and that feels right to you, uh, I'm a big fan of just going inward. I do meditating and journaling, and I really try to figure out, you know, what, what is the universe trying to tell me or, you know, what feels good in my heart or in my gut. And sometimes I think that to your point, you know, we go on wandering paths and sometimes we, we detour certain places because we have other influences, whether that's family or peer pressure or ideas in our mind about what we should or shouldn't be doing. But I do think that life has a way of correcting itself and, you know, kind of bringing us back to where we're meant to be. So I do, I do honestly believe that this is where I was meant to be, but I never could have guessed this. And I never, you know, I think even if I had gone and sought out business degrees, I I don't think that it would have manifested itself in the way that it has. So I'm very thankful for the way that life has turned out for me. Awesome. I mean, again, it's, it's sometimes you have to like trust your intuition, right? Like that gut feeling, no matter, sometimes, you know, it might not be the right choice, but what I find most often than not is when I do, right? Most people that do kind of like you had, right? You were in a fork in the road. You're like, do I go this way? Do I, got, do I go that way? You know, this kind of feels a lot better. I'm going to go this way. Most of the time I find that it's the right choice in a, in a, in a sense. And I'm using air quotations because yeah. uh, I also believe that any choice you make, right? Once you make that choice, it was the right choice. It was that the choice that was supposed to happen in a sense. Yeah. I believe that, that not many people do, but. No, no, no. And I, that's actually what I was going to say was, I think that if in any moment that you have a decision put in front of you and whatever decision, whatever you decide to do moving forward, if you can tell yourself, this is what I believe in for the moment, or this is what I believe is best, then mm-hmm. there is no regret. You know, even if it doesn't work out for you, even if you have to do a U-turn and go back and, you know, get back on a different path. There's nothing to say that that was necessarily to your point, like the wrong decision. It mm-hmm. like you were meant to go down there for whatever reason, even if it was just a detour. But I think that if you can rest easy with yourself, that you made the best decision in that moment, that's all you can ask for. Absolutely. Now, I want to revisit this criteria that your mom and yourself uh, made. <laughs> okay, I yeah. Thought, I thought that was perfect. Um, mm-hmm. And I might, I might have missed a couple of things, but yours was, a, you didn't want a, a traditional nine to five. Um, mm-hmm. You didn't want to, I forgot what the other one was, but then the I other didn't ones you want, in an office. you didn't want to work in an office and then you mm-hmm. wanted to help people. Yes. And then your mom's was, make sure it doesn't get outsourced, make sure yep. robots can't take over. And yep. the other one, I don't know if there was another one. It was, um, it makes me happy. It makes you happy. Yeah. Those are pretty good criteria. It, it leaves it open, but not too open. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting, <laughs> right? Because I, I, I couldn't even tell you how we landed on that. I think it was kind of ongoing conversation. Um, like I said, she, she worked in a hospital 
And then she ended up leaving and getting a job with a tech company. I was raised in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. uh, so she ended up going into an office. And I think for me, what it was is visiting her at her different workplaces I always had this feeling of like, is this what being a grown up is? Is you know, right. is this what it looks like on a daily basis? And if I'm honest, I just thought like, well, that's kind of whack. Like I don't, <laughs> and like don't want that. I don't want. Yeah, like I, I don't want to grow up if this is what it is. <laughs> um, so I thought that social work was a really good fit because it puts me out in the field. It well, at least my conceptualization of it. I right. I actually know very little to nothing about social work, but what I conceptualized it being was someone who could wear a suit to work. That's something that's really interesting. Actually, I always envisioned ever since I was a little girl wearing a suit and carrying a briefcase. That's what I envisioned being an adult as. Uh, so it's actually funny that I ended up in the position that I did. I don't have a briefcase, but I wear suit. Well, right. suit type stuff. Right. Um, so I, I thought that a social work, a social worker was somebody who was out in the field. They would drive around. They would go visit their clients. Sometimes that, you know, the facility that it happened in was always different. It wasn't necessarily a nine to five. They were on call. They could do different things. Um, and, you know, maybe to an extent, parts of their job could get automated by a robot, but that interaction piece of it could never be outsourced that, you know, that can't be done with a phone bank in India mm -hmm. uh, and a robot can't do that. So it's kind of interesting with those criteria that I was even able to find one major, a little bit less two. So <laughs> I, I would challenge the listeners to think if they could come up with a different occupation that I guess maybe like a firefighter, policeman could have fit right. all of that. Yeah. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. The By service, the way, the if service. you do, if you do come up with the list, be happy to email that to uh, uh, either either one of us. Really, um, I would love to know that. That would be that would be a great. Yeah, would uh, it be? Would it be a fun little game to play? Right. <laughs> How many um, occupations can we come up with? Right. So you went to FSU, didn't know what athletic training was, ended up doing athletic training, got your master's, and then graduated, or you started working, started doing independent work. You're like, okay, there's a need. Uh, mm -hmm. You created this website, although mm -hmm. how elementary it was, it was, mm -hmm. it worked, right? You started seeing, okay, there's a need for this. Uh, now, do I want to go down this road or what? And you decided right. to go down that road. And then I'm assuming that's when Advantage was created. Well, I'm going to give a funny little story here as well. Right. So, and, and this will be great. So as we kind of dive a little bit more into the entrepreneur side of it, this is going to be a great lesson for the listeners. So the original name of my company was the ATC Agency. And I thought that it was great name. It identified the individual, the type of individual that we represented. And mm -hmm. I loved the word agency um, because it indicated that we were their representation. So that, right. you know, there's there's sort of this middle middleman. So I had gotten business cards printed and flyers and I had shirts made and, you know, all the things that you do when you come up with a name. <laughs> so uh, about eight months into the business, I get a letter from the lawyers who represent the BOC. And mm. it is a cease and desist, which for anybody who's unfamiliar, that is a very strongly worded, incredibly threatening letter that essentially says that you are infringing on their intellectual property, which was a trademark, and you must cease and desist all business as of the writing of this letter 
or they're going to come after you and sue you and take you for everything that you already don't have. So um, (laughs) this was incredibly scary to me. And I didn't understand what any of this meant. So, you know, I start Googling frantically and I went down to my local, this is a, this is a plug. Um, I went to my score chapter. So for anybody who's unfamiliar, the government, the, the federal government has the small business association, SBA.gov. There are local chapters in pretty much every metropolitan area that are called score. And so in Orange County, which is where I started my business, Orange County, California, I went down to my local score chapter and they have phenomenal resources. They have mentors and professionals, lawyers, things like that, that are available that just give completely free advice. It's incredible. So I go down there, I take my letter with me and they're like, yeah, well, you got to stop doing business. (laughs) And this was very, this was very scary to me. So what, what it ended up being was I, the, the credentials ATC, that is a protected trademark by the BOC. Mm-hmm. Any business out there, if you guys are thinking about starting a business, don't use ATC in it because you're going to get a cease and desist letter from the BOC. So that was really scary. Uh, so then that's when I did a massive brainstorming session. And my husband is actually the one who came up with uh, AT Vantage or Advantage Neither one of them is right or wrong, uh, but it's sort of the play on words of, you know, the advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's how the current name was actually, actually came to fruition. That's a great lesson, by the way. Yes, oh, and by is. the way, the resource core, I, I haven't used it um, myself. I have heard of it, but I've heard really good things about it. So thank you, Alicia, for um, mentioning it. Yeah. Um, yeah, making up a name is stressful pressure filled and then especially when you you finally make a name that you're like happy with and you're like creating all these business cards and flyers and all of a sudden it's like hey by the way if you keep doing this you are gonna get more than a slap on the wrist (laughs) yeah yeah it's really hard especially in the age of social media with um hashtags and people that are just going out and grabbing handles and and screen names or however you want to refer to it back in 2012 when i did this all of the the medias and the websites weren't as prominent. So I felt like there was a lot more opportunity to come up with a creative or a catchy name. Mm-hmm. It's so much harder now because a lot of things are taken or they have other meanings or connotations. Uh, an example I'll give is um, obviously during the month of March, it's National Athletic Training Month. Mm-hmm. So we use the hashtag NATM. Well, that hashtag also belongs to Night at the Museum. So yeah. it's this really weird, you know, all of these acronyms and things, they they have multifunction and multi-use. And to your point, you know, it's just, it's hard to find something that is representative of who you are, who you want your brand to be, the potential growth of a company, you know, they, a lot of times they say, don't use like a geographical indicator, like, you know, for you don't say, you know, Miami or Florida, because mm-hmm. what if you want to start doing business in Texas or right. California, or, you know, so yes, there's a lot that goes into it. And then when you think about, I have to search federal trademarks and I have to make sure that that name's not taken in my state. And yeah, so it's, it's convoluted and it's, it's heavy. <laughs> so 2012, right? Uh, you, this is like post the website, post the list, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. now went through this very scary ordeal mm-hmm. um, where people were coming after you because of a name. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you're like, okay, I want to do this. What, um, and again, you want to become an advocate for not only for your clients, right? Mm-hmm. So the people that needed athletic trainers, but also mm-hmm. for the profession itself, right? For mm-hmm. people to understand what athletic training, athletic training was, you know, to understand value, understand pricing, understand pay, mm-hmm. uh, which is a big role to take. Let me, mm-hmm. let me tell you. Um, <laughs> what, I guess for the listeners listening, what is exactly, uh, or what exactly does Advantage provide? Um, what are, you know, what's the mission for behind it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess, what's the future? Well, that's a loaded question. It is. <laughs> so essentially the essence of who we are is I think representation. If I, if I had to select one word, okay. it's representation of us as professionals. I think it's representation of our profession to outward or external stakeholders. Mm-hmm. It's, it's representation of different ways to be an athletic trainer it's representation of alternative work styles and oper- and and um, climates and, and environments. Um, it's it's representation of the client to the athletic trainer. I think it's representation of business to the profession. So I, you know, it takes on a bunch of different connotations, but really, to me what the action word behind representation is, is advocacy. And the way that that has taken form looks really different for us as I, as I reflect back over the years, but then even as I project looking forward. So advocacy can be anything from having hard conversations with clients about how we're not going to staff their position because they aren't adhering to X, Y, or Z. And X, Y, or Z can be a a specific pay amount or uh, a healthy work environment. And we define healthy work environment with a number of different criteria, including administrative recognition and support of the athletic trainer on campus, a facility that is up to OSHA and CDC standards, uh, a, a a lack of presence or a, you can either say lack of presence or a support in um, a no bullying criteria for the athletic trainer. Uh, we're, we're very strict on the types of clients that we bring on and the environment in which we will place an athletic trainer. And one of the benefits that we have is that a lot of the clients we have in California They've never had an athletic trainer before. So we get to go in and set the precedent. And I like to believe that we're setting a precedent that a lot of our athletic, a lot of the profession and a lot of athletic trainers would be proud of um, because we just, we just don't take the BS. We're very strict and we have a high level of integrity in the situations that we will place athletic trainers in. And I think that because of the way that we do that, it just sets a tone with our clients. They know to take us seriously. They know to respect the athletic trainer. They know that it's a position that isn't supposed to be pushed around. Uh, and as a result, you know, we're, we're able to create really healthy and, and cultivate really healthy situations and cultivate long lasting relationships with our clients. So that's one of the, uh, one of the pillars of of our company is that we want to create long-lasting relationships, whether it's with our athletic trainers, it's with our clients, or between the client and the athletic trainer. One of the things that we do 
is we've converted, I think we're up to like 14 or 15. I'd, I'd have to check after this past school year, uh, somewhere between 13 and 15. We've converted contracted positions with us, with us over to the school district. And Ooh. people, yeah, people, <laughs> um, they don't understand why we would do that because in theory it puts us out of business. But my idea is that is what they say is the gold standard. And I know that it's what we as a profession are looking for and what the end game in our accomplishment is. And so I'm not here to stand in the way of that. I don't necessarily agree that it's the gold standard and we can get into that later if you'd like, but mm -hmm. I recognize that it's valued by the profession. And I also recognize that if we didn't take advantage of those opportunities, it would put us in a really difficult situation to continue to do business in the way that we do. So in a way it has allowed us to shed some contracts that weren't serving everybody anymore. And what I mean by that is, um, I, I think that in business there, there comes a point, well, in, in all relationships, I'm going to say in relationships, there comes a point where, uh, it's just, it's not serving all of the entities that are involved. And in those specific situations, the client would become increasingly engaged with the athletic trainer, wanting them on campus more, wanting to increase the hours year after year, but then it would become uh, financially cumbersome for them to keep doing business with us because we charge an increased rate. So we have the athletic trainer pay, and then we charge them an increased rate in order to use our business to contract that athletic trainer. So once you get over a certain number of hours, it's like, well, you might as well just hire them full time, which mm -hmm. is part of our, that's part of our strategy from a budget perspective. So uh, in order for us to keep relationships happy and to ensure that everything continues to move along smoothly, we would approach that client and say, would you be interested in taking these positions internally? And so we start having that conversation. So like I said, we've successfully done that about 13 to 15 times. And moreover, you know, I think for the athletic trainer, I think that they understand and they value that we're not just here to like pimp them out or, you know, yeah, I mean, honestly, um, you know, we, we do have a greater purpose in all of this. I've, I've said since the very beginning, if I can put myself out of business, then I've accomplished my mission, which is, you know, high schools have full-time athletic trainers. People have sub sub pools put in place. The per diem side of things are taken care of. I mean, really, if I was able to go out of business, that means that the profession is flourishing in ways that we couldn't even see. So I think, you know, I, that's my end game, put myself out of business. I think and what you're saying is a couple things. One, you mentioned uh, advocation, which is one of your biggest pillars. Uh, the next one is setting the stage for mm -hmm. athletic trainers. I think, not I think, I know, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as you come out of uh, school, right, the first thing you want to do is get a job. And it's very easy, to, very easy to get lowballed, very easy to get overworked, very easy to get burnt out in the first year mm -hmm. um, because you're trying to, one, make some money to pay some loans, mm -hmm. um, you know, make a living, make a name for yourself. So in that, right, it's, it's embedded inside the profession to, yeah. hey, in order for you to make a name for yourself, you kind of have to work from the bottom up, which yeah. I agree. But still, there's also an entry point, right? You already you're already you've already paid your dues to get to a point to kind of knock on a door and you know, uh, put yourself in through the door yeah. and you don't have to now start from the very bottom again. But mm -hmm. I think, uh, another one also that you mentioned was long lasting relationships, which mm -hmm. is at the end is networking, which is 
most people, I think, to me, the biggest currency is time, right? Mm-hmm. If you can give somebody your time, that to me is worth more than a hundred million dollars, right? right? Because a million dollars um, in five years can be worth nine hundred million dollars anymore. You can burn money at at any point. But when you have a relationship, a connection with somebody, so if it's a business with another entity, if it's an employer with your uh, employee, like once you have that relationship and that trust and, you know, that communication, it's it's very, unless you screwed up, it's very hard to to lose that. Obviously, there has to be nurturing. Um, so I think those are tools. Those are, those are, that's a stage that I think is very important that you guys are providing. And, and uh, as you mentioned, as you're trying to put yourself out of business, obviously, what you're, I mean, it's an abundancy mindset, right? You're saying, hey, if I yes. can get every person that comes with me a mm-hmm. job or like a career, a position that they love, they're respected for, they're getting paid well, I've done my job, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, they have, they went through me, right? You know, they would have gone somewhere else, it would have taken them 10 years and a whole lot of struggle, but they came through me. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's awesome. That's a, such a great platform to have. And, and first of all, I didn't even know that's how it worked, which is awesome. <laughs> it's super, super great. Um, but I mean, essentially what you're, what you're doing is you're setting up an athletic trainer to, to build a name for themselves without having to be the grunt. Exactly. First of all, I love that you said abundancy mindset because that's exactly what it is. You know, we get questions all the time when competitors enter the market in a, in a somewhat similar space as us. And I just say like, I can't staff everything. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't but I don't want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so in my opinion, first of all, I think that competition is very healthy, especially for free market. I think that we, yeah, we all are able to elevate each other, but moreover, there is plenty of business to go around. I Sometimes don't think, too much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, like, I can't serve the needs of everybody. I don't expect to serve the needs of everybody. And truthfully, you know, I think that if I actually am going to stand by what I say, then I need other people to be in the market to serve them. And mm-hmm. I can only hope that the resources I put out and the example that we give and the education that I share stands as a bar for mm-hmm. other companies to do business by. So that's why, you know, people ask me, Alicia, why do you talk so openly about the way that you do business or the things that I said? Well, I mean, it's, first of all, it's not a trade secret, you know, you know, but I think that, (laughs) I think that there's something to be said about integrity. And if we all have a level of accountability to each other from a business perspective, then it's going to make the entire market elevated, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, rising tide raises all boats. So if there's one competitor out there in the market, that's undercutting everybody else, not only, you know, what does it say about them, but also like, what does it say about our profession? I think that to an extent, we kind of need to band together and have a universal message or a universal approach to all clients. And, you know, which is you're, you're going to need to value us. We are going to have standards. We want to be treated a certain way. You know, I think that that is a human need. I think that's a professional need. It has nothing to do with whether you choose to do business with me or someone else. It has everything to do with how we as a profession want to be perceived and want to be treated. And, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about talking openly about this stuff is it's not a secret and it shouldn't be a secret. If you Mm -hmm. think it's a secret, then I, I don't know. I think that's kind of problematic. 
Well, the thing is, I think one, I agree, one hundred percent, abundancy all the time. Even, I mean, that goes for clinics, that goes for any business, right? I mean, it doesn't matter how uh, big your business gets, there's still going to be so many other patients or patients, I say, but any other clients and stuff like that are going to need help that you won't be able to provide. You can, unless you can grow, I mean, times ten every every year and still have you know an, an abundancy type of uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of the things with athletic training is a lot of people don't even know what athletic training is. Even right. to this day, it's been it's been going on for years, right? right. One of the, uh, the hardest things is when somebody asks them to me, uh, "What's an athletic or uh, what do you do?" I say athletic training, and they're like, uh, "Some some now is getting easier." Like, "Oh yeah, I know what that is." The person right. you know, I, I was at a high school and this and that. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. But again, some people don't. So advocating for that super mm-hmm. important. Now, mm-hmm. once somebody knows an athletic trainer is and they want to hire you, they want to lowball you, which is usually the first thing they do with, uh, you know, new grads. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, too, business side, first of all, they don't teach you business in school. I mean, yeah. unless you go to, which now you'll have, like, doctoral degrees that are, like, emphasis in, like, entrepreneurship. Um, but even then, I mean, business is a lot of things. When when somebody's good at business is because they've gone through they've gone through some stuff, sure. <laughs> right? You can read, you can read all of Gary Vee's books. You can read a whole bunch of books and still not be uh, efficient in business until you actually apply those techniques, apply those, mm-hmm. um, you know, apply everything that you see. Cause a lot of things, what you read might not work for you, for your business, for your model, for the demographic, for the population you're working with. So a lot of times is, is having some like a guidance, right? Having a guide, mm-hmm. like someone like yourself, um, to kind of work through, right? We mentioned earlier in the podcast is sometimes for you to go to get to where you want to, you go to where you don't would like yeah. you, you for you to get to point B. Sometimes it takes you going to A and Z and D and right, all these right. to be able to get to the point where you, at the end of the day, you're like, wow, I'm mm-hmm. truly happy where I'm at. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes uh, people lucky enough a year, a couple months. Sometimes it takes 10 months. But again, you still have that guidance. We talked about score, right? And, and their resources. We, uh, mm-hmm. we talked about, uh, we're talking about now about Alicia's and uh, Advantage and their resources. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we need that type of, or, or those resources are, are uh, necessary for us to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, again, business is hard, but also business is not very, is not taught often. So having, again, like having a platform like what you have created is super, super helpful. Um, especially for those looking for outreach services, right? Um, sometimes we don't even know what those, what uh, events or what um, opportunities are out there, and it takes a platform like yourselves or the one that you have created um, to be able to, you know, have a spotlight on that. Mm-hmm. So, again, abundancy, abundancy, abundancy. There is work for everyone. There is business for everyone. I think yeah, um, having that mindset is, is is super important. But like you mentioned, especially for the profession, at the end of the day, we all want to have a sustainable living. Uh, mm-hmm. We all want to do something that we love. Um, and in order to do that, it, it takes it takes a team effort. And you don't have to be in the same business. You don't have to be in the same entity to to push a profession forward. Um, yeah. You know. And, you know, that's actually interesting. Um a few things there. So, you know, when I started the business back in 2012, I don't know if it was because lack of social media or visibility, but it really felt like nobody was doing what I was doing in the way that I was doing it. I'm not saying that they weren't. I'm just saying that I didn't know about it or, uh, well, I'll take that back. There was one, um, entity up in like the 
the Northeast that was doing it. Um, but to the extent that, you know, athletic trainers representing athletic trainers in business dealings, it wasn't really happening. You know, outsourcing has been around for a long time, but mm-hmm. traditionally it's been physical therapy clinics or it's been hospitals, which that model is still really prevalent. But I like to believe that as a result of me not only being successful, but being open and willing to share about what we've done and how we've accomplished it. There have been so many entities that have spawned up all over the country that mm-hmm. are doing what we're doing now in small ways. And, and, and I don't mean a small in a dismissive way, but you know, in ways that are um, honorable to them, whether that's in action sports or it's in a different geographic region or it's, you know, whatever it is, I feel like I've been able to, again, give representation of what this could look like in perhaps people that never would have considered an entrepreneur pathway for themselves Mm -hmm. because I took that chance and because I was willing to talk about it out loud, people now see, hey, no, this is an option. And the other other part I want to say about that is the type of work that we provide really focuses on part-time it's it's you know and it's independent contractor work which means it doesn't have health benefits and it doesn't have retirement and that was something that i was really afraid of you know how am i going to staff these positions with with this type of work traditionally we're taught full-time with health benefits with retirement that's Mm -hmm. what people want and as i started going through this i realized that there's a large contingency of athletic trainers out there that feel dismissed Mm -hmm. and feel not listened to or uh, not paid attention to, not seen because they want to work in a way that is not air quotes, quote unquote, acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Acceptable to what our profession tells us that we should be doing. And here's what I mean by that. So I've even experienced it, and I'm going to circle back to your point of saying, like, we want to live in a way that we feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a stay-at-home mom or it's someone who wants to travel the world or they are, a, you know, they do personal training or strength and conditioning or they just have other passions in their life. Maybe that's a spouse or, you know, they have a military spouse or there have been so many situations that have presented themselves that people have come to us and said, finally, there are work opportunities that allow me to live my life the way that I've wanted to live and still practice athletic training. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, it's been, you're either full-time and by full-time, we know that we mean 60 hours a week, not 40. Mm. And, and, and this idea that we aren't providing care. We're only providing coverage if it's Mm -hmm. 25 hours a week. Um, And so we as a company have taken that on and challenged this idea that there is work to be had for people that want to practice in ways that don't fit the traditional mold. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we've been able to capture an audience of athletic trainers that probably would have left the profession if work opportunities like ours didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that on a larger scale, we have a retention problem in this profession and we have a salary wage problem in this profession. Mm -hmm. And two of the ways that we are actively working to combat that is by 
One, identifying workers who are willing and wanting to work in non-traditional ways, but then also by keeping those people in the profession longer, by default, we're going to increase our wages because the longer that somebody has in a career, naturally their wages go up. So we're able to, I think part of the reason why we have such low wages is because after the age of 30, we have a massive drop-off in our profession, especially on behalf of women. So if you want to keep a larger contingency of people and you want wages to increase, you need more experienced, deeper into their career and able to stay within it in non-traditional ways. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to then apply that to me, I'm a woman over the age of 30. I don't have a family. I don't have children, I should say. Um, which is a large reason why women leave the profession is they have a difficult time balancing raising children with yep. being in, you know, in the setting that we're in. Um, but I've been able to stay in the profession because I found a way that was authentic to me. And one of the things that I've experienced from other professionals is they question me being an athletic trainer because I don't put my hands on a patient every single day. And I think there's a level of shaming that goes on in our profession because we have ideas of how we are supposed to practice as athletic trainers. I see this happening in the industrial situation, in the industrial and occupational industry. Mm -hmm. They'll say, well, you know, you can only use a fraction of your scope of practice or even really practicing as, as an athletic trainer. You know, it's like, or, or the same in a, in a physician extender role or, you know, athletic trainer in the physician setting those people who are working in a secondary school or, you know, a college, I, I should say in a grassroots area of our profession, there's this, there's this shaming or there's this questioning of others in how they practice because it doesn't look like the way that they think it should. And I really just think, you know, if, if we're going to be sustainable, if we're going to continue to grow this profession in ways that it seems that all of us want to grow it, we need to be supportive of one another and we need to recognize the role that each one of us plays. So, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm having a much larger impact on the profession by doing what I'm doing than I will ever have by putting my hands on a patient. And there are phenomenal clinicians out there that will have way more of an impact on the profession by putting their hands on a patient than they would running a business. But I let them practice how they're going to practice, and I would appreciate if they would let me practice how I want to practice. And I think that until we get to a point where, you know, NPI numbers is another example. People think, well, I'll never bill for third-party reimbursement. Why do I need to get my NPI number? Who cares? If it helps somebody else in the profession, it takes five minutes of your time. It's completely mm -hmm. free. Why can't we help each other out? You know, like going back to what you were just saying, we all want to make a living. We want to have a sustainable career and we want to feel like we're fulfilled in what we're doing. If that was our criteria in how we approached our colleagues with what they're doing, if we, if we approached them and said, Andy, is what you're doing fulfilling you? Is it providing you a sustainable uh, income? Are you happy with what you're doing? Yes, Alicia. Yes, Alicia. Yes, Alicia. Fine. Do you? Like, I don't need to sit here and judge the way that you're practicing. I'm that's more, you know, friend to friend. It's like, mm -hmm. I would just want to make sure that you're happy and you're fulfilled. Absolutely. I mean, I think you said very, very, there's a strong point is what I wanted to say. Um, mm -hmm. One being honing on to your strengths just because uh, 
traditionally it's been practiced a certain way. Um, but there are different settings emerging, obviously. But there's mm-hmm. different ways to be an athletic trainer. I think you just like ju- like you just mentioned, and holding in. I think uh, I did another podcast with uh, Matthew Abraham, and he spoke about he's both a strength coach and a massage therapist. But mm-hmm. he doesn't practice as a massage therapist. He practices as a strength coach, and mm-hmm. anything that his clients need as far as manual therapy, he usually refers out. Although he has the capabilities of doing so. So right. what I learned from him was just because it's part of your scope doesn't mean you have to do it if you feel strongly about another part of it and you do it really well. Exactly. Um, it's similar to what you're saying. Just because, and I would have to confess, the physician extend their role. I do not like it. I had a rotation mm-hmm. there and I believed that athletic training was, I don't want to say undermined, but I mm-hmm. think that there, I think athletic training could be, can play a bigger role when it comes to that setting, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just like scribing and insurance talk and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, there's a lot of athletic trainers that love that role, that mm-hmm. love that job and love that settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of athletic trainers that do not. And that's the only, like you uh, uh, alluded to uh, earlier was they wanted a nine to five job and they didn't want to work 80 hours a week and be on call all the time. They wanted right. a nine to five and that was their only option, right? That was yep. the only option they had. Um, they didn't necessarily love the opportunity of working with the physician extent or in that role. But mm-hmm. they like the freedom of being with their family, having a, a stable income. Again, yep. that criteria, them not loving it wasn't there, but everything else was. So yeah, I, I get it. I got it. Yeah. Perfect. And, and you know, that's the thing is it's like, that's fine right. if it's not a good fit for you. Like you're allowed to say that mm-hmm. I don't feel like it uses the fullest extent of our scope or that we could be utilized more. That's, that's a fair statement. You're allowed to say that, but then to, you know, go in, um, bash other people or go and specifically speak out. Yeah. yeah, Guilt them or to speak out against initiatives that they're trying to do to move things forward simply because, I mean, maybe you just had a bad experience. Maybe, you know, like, I, I just think that it's, it's so destructive and there's this culture in our profession where, if we don't agree with what the the way that another person is doing something, we think we have a right to talk about it or to mm-hmm. to, to point undermine. it out. And I mean, yeah, undermine them. And it, and you know, obviously, the exception to this is always if it's unethical or if it's right. unprofessional. But you know, the conversation all the way down to wearing yoga pants at work. You know, it's like guys, there's totally different cultures mm-hmm. all across the U.S. I'm not saying that it's appropriate in Texas, but it's probably pretty appropriate in California. Or, right. you know, and, and whether you agree that it's professional or unprofessional, let that person make that determination. You don't need to sit here and slam them on social media, or, you know, or jeans or, I don't know. I just think that we get too wrapped up in what everybody else is doing and, we're not focused enough on how to support one another or mm-hmm. how to even have like constructive conversation. Right. I mean, maybe you see a picture of someone wearing yoga pants and it's like their car got broken into last night and things got stolen. And it, it, I mean, like you never know what somebody else is going through. And I just think that to waste our time sitting in judgment of one another is, uh, you know, is wasteful and, and not an act of proactive use of our energy and our time. And, I think that if all of us just kind of took a, took a step back and asked ourselves, like, how can I support somebody else? How can I in some way, you know, help them to get further along in their career or with their initiatives? I think that we would all be one happier as a profession, mm-hmm. but also a lot better off. Absolutely. I agree. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> um, before I know you have to go in a little bit, uh, I wanted to kind of for you to elaborate very quickly for those listeners that may not know or understand what outreach and per DM services are. So if mm-hmm. you can kind of, uh, I don't know how briefly you can, but just kind of give yeah, us the, the, the run, the run of it and where you see that going. Yeah. So outreach really just means that the position isn't held internally. Uh, so when we contract to a school district, that school district is technically, uh, we are outreach to them, which means they don't have that position internally. Uh, the same thing as if it's a hospital or a physical therapy, any situation where, uh, the person, the place where you're conducting services, isn't your direct employer. That's kind of what outreach is. (laughs) And then per diem, um, I, so I did a, a presentation at NATA in New Orleans last year, and it was all about per diem work. So I defined per diem. It's actually a Latin term, and it means per day. Uh, but the context in which I think most of us use per diem in athletic training or PRN, so PRN is a, is a, syn- a synonym, if you will, in the athletic training a lingo for per diem. As we know, PRN is a medical abbreviation for as needed. Mm-hmm. So per diem is, is sort of similar. It's just sort of work that comes and goes. There's no steadiness to it. So it often refers to one time or very short term opportunities. So like I mentioned before, camps or um, tournaments or singular game coverage. Yeah. Anything kind of under that umbrella. Okay. And where do you see, do you see that evolving? Do you see that uh, growing more of a need as athletic training becomes a little bit more uh, known and advocated for? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a huge advocate for not only independent contractor work, but also the idea of working on a per diem basis, partially because when I reflect back and I have conversations with other people in how we've gotten gotten into the settings that we have, whether it's performing arts or rodeo or NASCAR or industrial or even military now, a lot of the way that those relationships start is someone who's willing to work on a per diem basis. They're willing to say, I'll come in once a week and see your performers or uh, you know, I'll just come in this one time, do one educational setting and um, educational seminar and then we'll kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. So I think that independent contractor work and per diem uh, work has not only a large implication to the to the growth of our profession, especially as we look back and see how we've gotten to where we have. Um, but I also think that there's specific settings, and I'll use youth sports as one of them, where it's pretty unrealistic that we will ever have the full-time athletic trainer representation in youth sports the way that we do in other areas. And as a result of that, per diem opportunities are to an extent always going to be what Mm -hmm. that is. So I do think that as we get greater brand recognition as a profession, and as we continue to educate clients, and as we continue to pass legislation that increases safety, that the role of the per diem athletic trainer will become more prominent. I think it already has become more prominent. I see way more people working per diem now than they did five years ago. I think part of that is because of companies like myself who are going out and seeking opportunities, but also because of just clients recognizing the value of having an athletic trainer on the Mm -hmm. sidelines. Um, And, you know, I'm a huge proponent of athletic trainers, especially young professionals seeking per diem opportunities, because 
I think it provides tremendous experience yeah. and also uh, kind of visibility and exposure to different sports, things that you may otherwise never have been able to work, whether it's uh, rugby or Quidditch or, you know, all kinds of different um, opportunities that maybe you would never have an opportunity to, to be exposed to. Um, but I also think that it's great to have people think on their toes and, and, um, you know, represent themselves and, you know, have to shake hands and give introductions and talk to parents. And I think it's really good practice for, for not only young professionals, but specifically young professionals. Um, however, my caveat to all of that is we don't get education on what it means to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we don't get business education. And so, one of the scary things for me is that so many athletic trainers are going out there. They're not getting signed contracts. Mm -hmm. Their insurance is not covering them to be working outside of their full-time position. They don't have standing orders that allows them to do this. Um, you know, they're, they're not aware of what the supplies situation is, or if there are emergency action plans in place, uh, they're not, they don't know what it means to be an independent contractor, which means that you're self-employed. Mm -hmm. And when they get these paychecks, they're not setting money aside for taxes and they get blindsided. So that, that, that was the conversation and the talk that I did when I was in New Orleans. And I just think that it's such vital information that I actually re-recorded it and have released it on our website for people to go and access. And then I even took it a step further and created a bunch of resources for the per diem athletic trainer. So sample standing orders, uh, sample independent contractor agreements, um, sample physicians, physician uh, uh, consent to treat. Uh, that's another thing that we never ask about is do you have even consent to treat these, mm -hmm. these kids? Um, and so, you know, I, I, as much of an advocate as I am for people going out and getting this work, I also recognize that there's a lack of education and there's, and there's a lack of resources available to them. So I created them myself. <laughs> awesome. And that eludes us to how can people reach you? How can they get in contact with you? Great question. So um, all of our business profiles and handles are at the advantage. So T-H-E-A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E. -E. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Personally, or I should say professionally, I can be found on Instagram and Facebook at Alicia M. Pennington. That's A-L-I-S-H-A, middle initial M, and then Pennington, P-E-N-N-I-N-G-T-O-N. -N awesome. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at that. Uh, on Twitter, I think I'm at Mrs. A.M. Pennington. Okay. Get, you know, <laughs> Alicia Pennington was too long <laughs> there. Um, and then we have all kinds of resources on our website. So if you just go to theadvantage.com, our, we do release a podcast that has free CEUs and Hello. this season, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a reporting year. There you go. Uh, this season we have coupled with an attorney who is dual credentialed as an athletic trainer. And we have some really awesome episodes where we're talking all about uh, legal matters and not in dry, hard to understand ways, but, you know, kind of comedic and a very applicable, uh, tangible takeaways for the everyday athletic trainer to understand negligence and misconduct and mm -hmm. uh, preventative conditions and things like that. Um, 
And then also on our website, theadvantage.com, uh, if you just click on the CEU tab, we have all kinds of stuff on there, uh, past episodes of our podcast, and also that course I was talking about, which is um, principles of per diem work, liabilities and legalities, and then all of those sample contracts and a free per diem checklist that you can download to make sure that you are putting yourself in a positive situation before you accept a per diem gig. Awesome. If you so first and foremost, thank you very much. And I'll say that again at the end. Um, if you missed any of that, I will go ahead and link it at the bottom of this podcast. So you should be able to see that there. Um, the website, Instagram, the uh, potential CEUs that you're able to do are able to get through her podcast, that course, which is going to help you understand uh, if you want to venture into per diem and outreach and how to do that. Um, Alicia has been doing this from the get go. So mm -hmm. this is a great person to um, not only use as a mentor, as a guidance, but definitely as a resource. Um, mm -hmm. Any book recommendations, Alicia? Um, oh, yeah, I could go on and on about book recommendations. One other thing I will say is that um, I actually just this morning reopened up my schedule. So I do provide consulting for people who, if you've already listened to the podcast or if you, you've already done the, the webinar um, and you need a little bit more in-depth conversation or you have like a business idea that you need help um, kind of formulating ideas for, I do provide consulting one-on-one, -on -one, uh, and my schedule, I just reopened for the rest of 2019. I had closed it before an ATA for a while, but book recommendations. Um, one of my favorite business related authors is Jim Collins and he did good to great, great by choice, how the mighty fall. Wow. Uh, yeah. All of his stuff is research based, which really just speaks to me. Mm -hmm. Um, He's got incredible, incredible anecdotes, uh, but also uh, very tangible takeaways as to how, as a business leader, you can keep your ship going in the right direction. I've, right. <laughs> I've followed a lot of his direction uh, in building my company. Um, from, a, from a motivation standpoint, I love Rachel Hollis. She's, you know, become really popular and she really speaks mostly to women, but I think that men can understand the message too. Mm -hmm. So her first book was Girl, Wash Your Face. And her second book was Girl, Stop Apologizing, uh, which Girl, Stop Apologizing has been revolutionary for me. Um, and then another author that I love from more of like a leadership angle, it's not leadership specific, mm -hmm. but uh, Brene Brown, she talks a lot about vulnerability and how we can show up in ways to have difficult conversations. Uh, she's really helped me to understand integrity and mm -hmm. how to practice in ways that are authentic to me, despite, you know, the, the outside influences. So yeah. yeah, she's, I mean, I actually have a blog where I wrote it. I, I have book recommendations. So uh, my personal website is alicia.me, A-L-I-S-H-A dot M-E. And if you go to my blog section, I do have uh, book reviews in there um, from 2018, and I'll probably do another 2019 one as well. But you can also slide in my DMs. I'm always happy to talk about books if, if you want any specific recommendations. Awesome. A lot of resources. Like I mentioned, I will make sure to put that at the bottom of this uh, podcast so you guys can make sure you get a hold of Alicia if you need any help at all. Um, yep. She is a wealth of information and make sure she's open. Like she just mentioned, she opened her uh, schedule again. So if you need that consultation, you need that help, again, 
it saves you not only time, it saves you uh, a lot of heartache, but it also <laughs> yeah, you, 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 build, you, you gain a mentor. You gain somebody that's been through that can help you along the way. So I highly recommend it if that's a road you're choosing to go to. Um, now, for the final, I know I'm trying, to, I'm trying to hold you for as long as I can, but last, <laughs> I, I promise, one minute. Um, mm-hmm. This is what I call a speed round. So I okay. ask a few questions. And you only okay. have about 0.3 seconds to answer. Okay. So whatever the first thing that comes out of your head or comes in, into your mind is what you say. And uh, no regrets. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Okay. Are you nervous? Yes. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Favorite movie? Oh, God. <laughs> and we'll try again. Yeah, I have no we'll, idea. We'll try again. We'll try again. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Favorite movie? Whatever mm-hmm. comes to mind. You already came up with three in your head. No, like literally nothing is sticking. Nothing. Okay, we'll go nothing. to the next question. Okay. How do you feel about putting pineapple on your pizza? Yes. Pineapple's mm-hmm. a go. Yes. Okay. 100%. If you can travel, where would you go? Time travel, sorry. Oh, time? Like go in space or like... Time travel, whether in the past, present, or sorry, past or future? I think I would go future. Future. Why is that? Because I want to see what happens next. Okay. Or I want to see how things end. Now, are you, are, you, are you ready to revisit the first question? I'm giving you some, some uh, buffer time here. Oh, no. I don't think I have one. Goodness if gracious, I, Alicia. I know. If I say something, it's not going to be an authentic answer. I'm just okay. going to say to okay. satisfy the question. Okay. We, I, I will be satisfied with two questions, but okay. you owe me one more. Um, okay. With that I'll being throw said. In, throw in a third one. <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, with that being said, actually, I do have another one. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you sure? Ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> okay. Okay. Favorite superhero? Batman. Okay. Why Batman? Yeah. I just grew up with him. I love him. It, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Batman it is. I almost I almost said Superwoman. Okay. But that's like only current rendition of Superwoman. I've loved Batman since okay. I was a kid. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. So the last thing I want to say is thank you to you, Alicia, for as a guest for being on the other side of the mic, for giving me and the listeners some time to hear about your story, hear about what you're doing with Advantage and all the good things and the resources that you're providing uh, to athletic trainers for advocating for athletic trainers, for the profession. Um, so thank you very much for your time and for uh, basically everything that, and all the knowledge that you were able to um, share with us today. Andy, thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak. I appreciate you sharing your platform and letting me go on and on about all the things that I'm passionate about. Uh, and I really do appreciate being on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And and I usually say three thank yous. That was the first one. The okay. second one is to the listeners, because like I always say, uh, we can go on and on about all the stuff that we're passionate about, athlete training, self-development, health, fitness, strength, conditioning. But if there's no one to listen and to be on the receiving end of that, then we're really just speaking into this space. So mm-hmm. thank you to those listeners that, you know, that, uh, took the time, you know, you could be anywhere right now listening to anything, but you chose to spend some time with us, uh, with me and Alicia today, um, to talk about some athletic training, uh, resources and some guidance, um, some knowledge when it comes to the profession, uh, and just business and, you know, self, um, development type of, uh, knowledge as well. 
Um, you know, you could be right now just driving home from work or going to work, um, you know, at home, wherever you are, walking the dog, uh, and you choose to, and you chose to uh, listen to this episode. So thank you very much. And the third thank you is to our clients, to our students, uh, to our patients, to those that we have the uh, great opportunity to help on a daily basis. Um, just like I mentioned with uh, the podcast, and as far as listeners, uh, as far as clients and patients and students, um, we can have all this this energy, all this passion to be able to help someone. But if there's no one on the receiving end, uh, it really there's nothing that comes from it. So thank you for giving us the opportunity to to be able to do what we love. To the fact that you value the information that we have, uh, the resources, uh, and you value our time uh, means a lot. Um, Thank you very much. I love that. that. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. you. No problem. No problem. With that being said, with that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support and see you on the next episode. Hold up.